Your hosts, Jeannie Walters and Adam Toporek, are two of the most recognized and respected names in customer experience, and they've dedicated themselves to helping you improve your customer experiences. And now, it's time for Adam and Jeannie. In this special sponsored episode, we're talking with Noah Danone, co-founder and CEO at Ever After. Big thanks to Ever After for sponsoring Crack the Customer Code and for having a CEO who is as customer-focused as we are. Make sure to learn more about this powerful platform at everafter.ai. That's everafter.ai. We are super excited to bring this interview with Noah because we cover a lot of different topics that apply to everybody in the customer experience space today. 100%. And what's interesting is we've talked a lot about AI. Uh, but so often we're talking about it in a you know uh, B2C or consumer-facing context. And one of the interesting things that came up in this interview, and you know, Noah really digs into it, is how challenging uh, the data sets are in B2B. You mm-hmm. just don't have the data that AI needs. And what's really interesting is how Ever After is using the data they do have to create insights and to use their product to strengthen the relationship with B2B customers. That's exactly right. And I think we talk about how B2B is personal, right? And so when we we talk about how to personalize that, we need to do that at scale in a way that can be really challenging. And that's why talking through some of those challenges and why she really created this this product ever after is fascinating in a lot of different ways. And I think it's it opens up a conversation that we should probably have more often about how do we personalize at scale? 100% Jeannie, and I'm going to recommend that we have that conversation now. (laughs) Let me tell you a bit about our guest today. Noah Danan, co-founder and CEO of Ever After, has extensive experience leading product and user experience teams. Before founding Ever After, Noah was the head of product at Behalf, a fintech startup. Her previous position was with HP. As part of her army duty, she served as a developer in the Israeli Air Force. Noah's vision for the product was heavily influenced by her experiences as a product manager, where she observed the disconnect between the user and product experience. Ever After was created exactly to meet that need, allowing companies to personalize the customer experience, beginning with the initial contract all the way through renewal and expansion. Welcome, Noah. We are so happy to have you here on Crack the Customer Code. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, Noah, it is a pleasure. And I know, you know, we've we've all got some uh, background in common here because I know you've worked in customer-facing roles for many years. So if you could, please tell us a little bit about your background so we can get a sense of where you came from. Yeah, sure. Um, So actually, I started as a developer and uh, I also used to manage the training and the customer training. And this was when I first realized the disconnect we have between the dev team and, and, our, and our customers, like, and, how, um, and how this impact the, the overall experience. Then I switched and uh, became a user experience designer. And at that role, I managed uh, a lot of hands-on, hands-on um, uh, conversations with many customers, and usability testing and deep interviews. And, and this allowed me to have very insightful feedback. Um, getting back into the product team and then modifying the experience accordingly. So then I became a product leader for early stage products. And I was lucky to act as the customer success of our, on, of our very early, um, early adopters. 
and taking their feedback and looping it into the product in a minimal um, as, as minimal experience as possible and utilizing that feedback quickly and um, and making sure uh, we can retain and iterate on top of it was like very uh, very exciting for me. Um, so this is how like, I always work with customers and with the tech teams all together, um, trying to bridge uh, the gaps and make, make sure everything uh, is aligned. Wow. So you're telling me that sometimes the dev team and the customer success people don't always talk to each other? I'm shocked. I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it happened. Um, <laughs> You would think it would be different, but I guess like there is always a delay, right? Like mm -hmm. planning something, then the developers are uh, developing it, then it goes to testing and QA and, and so on. And once it's deployed, it's like too late. Like product is already like on a new um, on on a new feature, on a new mission. Mm -hmm. But then the feedback start coming, and then they need to have a place for it in the roadmap. So it's like the cycle mm -hmm. like don't match. So I'm curious, how do you? Because I think people kind of know this is a problem, maybe, but they don't always talk about it because the teams are being successful, right? They're they're still kind of doing what they need to do. But that feedback loop, if it's not sped up, if it's not really uh, connected in the way that you're talking about, that can lead to all sorts of issues. So I'm just curious, like, how do you really define the problem that inspired you to create Ever After? Um, well, I worked on an enterprise uh, product uh, that we thought has uh, like a great experience and, and, and like was a very uh, SaaS oriented. Um, but then when we started working with our first customers, it wasn't like they could just take the product and use it. Uh, they were like big companies um, and we need to plan and design the, the onboarding for them and like, their, like what, what they try to achieve, what are the goals, how to align them with the product, feature requests. And then we started like working on, on project tools to um, to get all this feedback in and, and, and work with customers in a shared space. But I was also the owner of the product. So I it was very frustrating for me to send customers to another place, which wasn't the product that I was like the owner of, uh, to manage everything from like the, the, the steps to onboard, to meeting summaries and so on. Um, so it was pretty frustrating, you can imagine. Uh, being responsible for a product, but sending, but sending, and this is like what happens in many companies, right? Mm -hmm. Because, because you have many customer facing people like pre-sales and account managers and onboarding and implementation people. They are all not part of the technology the company is selling, right? All of their um, relation with customers is managed through emails and, and, and Zoom calls and, um, and spreadsheets and presentations. Mm -hmm. it, it's not a product and this, it, it's kind of a, like, it shouldn't be this way, right? It should be like the customer experience, customer experience and product experience should, should be, you know, should be in one place. You're mm -hmm. selling a technology and a service. It should go together. It should go together. Um, so this is how Ever After came to life. So it sounds like you had that, uh, you know, one of those moments, right? Those just like uh, there has to be a better way kind of moments. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, for sure. And, so, you know, when you were coming up with this idea and ever after, like, where where did you see the use case, right? I mean, what um, specific problems were, did you know when you were when you were designing it or thinking about it, um, like if, that, what you were going to tackle initially? Did you have an idea of how you wanted to grow it? 
Yeah, uh, well, I didn't have all the answers in day one. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> I, I, I wish I had, um, but it wasn't the case. Um, no, I, uh, it started with onboarding, right? Because onboarding for SaaS companies is critical. Like, this is like the first experience, the first impression. This is like the first time someone touch, touches the product, see like how it works. Um, and, and then, but then onboarding, you send them to like a spreadsheet to get like, what's the next item? So. This was the first, uh, the first focus on um, on what we did, um, and because I started my career as a developer and product manager, I constantly own uh, the technology development. Right, there was like a gap. But then coming to uh, customer-facing teams, they didn't have like tech people to develop things for them. Right, it, it's like they have like other tools to use, but they don't have their own technical team to to get what they want done. Um, so this is how we started, like, and being part of the no-code movement and being able to allow those people to deliver, like, customer experiences as part of their product, have their space, a re- a real estate inside their product. This is where we started and we focused on onboarding because this is the most sensitive um, phase in, in SaaS companies, I think, today. And, and the onboarding is something that you try and, and continue over time because you want to have like the wow moment as soon as possible. So you make a very short onboarding to get the first value done, mm-hmm. but then you need them to adopt more and more features, right? So like it's, it's a continuous adoption and a continuous onboarding experience. Um, so well, you need to make about, a success and everything. Yeah, so uh, well, let's dig into that because I'm curious, you know, uh, you know, with Ever After and just uh, in general, uh, you know, just not, not even uh, completely around the product, what do you think is important? Because you obviously you're very focused on onboarding, uh, you've designed a product, uh, you know, in, to help uh, facilitate onboarding and make it better. What do you think, particularly in B2B, what do you think are the keys to an effective onboarding process? What should companies focus on? Yeah, so I think it starts with personalization. Like when B2B, you have multiple stakeholders. It's not a one solution fits all, right? Like you need to understand where the business is now, where they're trying to get, who is involved, who is making the decision, how many resources they have. So it starts with personalizing the experience, but also having different segments for uh, to be able to uh, design experiences at scale. Um, so this is one thing I think is very critical in B2B um, because your customer is starting in, at one point that you don't really know what it is, and then you need to bring them to where you want them to be. Um, mm-hmm. So you have to personalize it. And then it's it's more about transparency um, because it, it does relate to the timeline and effort it takes to, to onboard or get the first item done, like what it takes, what resources they need to have, what is the next step. Um, and it's also when it's a big challenge, it should be effortless, right? You need to make it very clear what is it, what they need to do, how they do it, where they do it, who should do it, and, and, and very clear once it's done. Uh, if they need to reach out uh, for help every time, it delays the, mm-hmm. um, it delays everything. So basically, it's it's it needs to be effortless. People don't like to work hard, even in B2B <laughs> places. It's not just consumers that that, uh, that want everything just ready for them. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. and then you still need it very structured, right? You need to scale your company. So you need a structured way to be able to, um, to repeat the process every time because you have a new CSM or you have like a new onboarding manager uh, or, or a new uh, account manager, you need to be able to give them everything they need to make the next kickoff call a success. Mm-hmm. Um, because like new people, they need, like there's so much to learn, right? So um, 
and you're growing, your team is growing, you need a way to train people really quickly with knowledge that is right in place for them. Yeah, one of the things that I found interesting here, because I looked at, you know, the demo and the website and things like that is that when I work with customer success teams, we talk a lot about process, right? We talk a lot about, wouldn't it be great if we could repeat this process? But unfortunately, we're dealing with human beings. And, <laughs> uh, and that's on both sides, right? And in B2B relationships, that can be really complex, because you might have, uh, you know, a new customer success manager, who is talking to a new customer who is not necessarily the power user of that organization. So it gets pretty complex pretty quickly. So I'm really intrigued by, you know, how did you think about leveraging artificial intelligence here? And how did you use that in the tool to really uh, help people through those processes that we want to be kind of scalable and repeatable, but we also have to allow for that nuance of personalization for, for people and just because that's how the world works. So I'm just curious about the AI side of this and how you thought about that. Yeah. So um, like for, for great AI, you need uh, a lot of data, right? And in B2B, mm -hmm. it's really difficult because you don't have like a clear data set to be able to um, get machines to, to have uh, great insights uh, on. But what you can do um, is once you structure the process, start collecting data on engagement, uh, like who from the customer side is active, who is doing what, how many active people do you need in order to have a successful onboarding. So you're starting to collect this data that you cannot do with like uh, generic tools and spreadsheets um, to get insights, but those can only be specific for each organization because you cannot compare one org to another. Um, and this is a very challenging part of, um, of being able to have insights that are relevant uh, for the company because one company has like an onboarding of four weeks and they only need one, one person involved. And the other company has like six months of onboarding and they, mm -hmm. have, they need a team of 10 people from different departments. So insights can only be uh, relevant for uh, in the same org. Um, so we collect a lot of data on how users behave and like their engagement in different stages of the, of the relationship, not only onboarding because then later in ongoing, you, you also have um, a lot of um, a lot a lot of collaboration. Um, so this is how it works. We collect data and we have insights for companies on what works better than um, than other uh, flows. This is uh... so. So when you're looking at those at that data, and when you're sort of looking at, uh, I'd say you know where where uh, onboarding tends to break down, or or when the you know the customer relationship, particularly in B two B, starts to flag. Have you seen any patterns? Like, is there sort of a a, a golden window, or the opposite of a golden window, a, a horrible window that you, you know at ninety days or one hundred and eighty days? Obviously, it'll be company specific. But have you seen any just sort of uh, general patterns? Like uh, things tend to flag at this at this period. Yeah. So if if we see like from the beginning that the, the team on the customer side is not the team that was involved uh, during the sales process, then the likelihood to succeed. Uh, is, is going lower and lower um, and then and then it takes time like if someone uh, if, if, if there's like a if the, if the champion leaves of course this is like a great problem and today people do tend to um, switch jobs much faster much faster and this is a mm -hmm. big challenge in the b2b space right because you lose your champion if you lose them during the onboarding 
wow, Oof. it's not. Uh, no, <laughs> that's not a good feeling <laughs> for anybody. This is a really, 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 really bad sign uh, for uh, for a successful relationship. You need to build a relationship, and if it, it happens during the onboarding, then you you're doomed, I guess. In in many cases, you need to work really hard to save it. It's just you need to stop the onboarding and start the selling all over again. Yeah. Uh, or at least the value of selling. Um, and it's also about the number of of back and forth that needs to be needs to be done. But you once you see once you see customers. Uh, uh, canceling meetings uh, or no show. This is a very, very bad sign um, as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, it really depends on the, the type of companies and, and how the process works. It, this is the problem with B2B. You have to be very personalized and specific. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that's a, that's something that is part of a mythology I think we're still fighting. I, I hear people tell me all the time, well, I, customer experience doesn't really apply because I'm B2B. And I'm like, what? This is crazy because <laughs> no. like, it's so personal when it's business to business because you build relationships very consistently. Sometimes you communicate more often, all of those things. So I, I love that we're talking about this in a way that is about kind of the person as well as the organization. And so I'm curious, what's what's an example of how both the organization and the customer benefits from this type of tool. Yeah. So when you when you have a tool for collaboration, then uh, it, it unifies the customer experience with the product experience, as we said before. So they need to go to one place to find everything for them, and they feel they like they uh, they have more, right? They have the product, they have the customer success place. Like it it it, it works better, and it also uh, feels very transparent. You don't always want to be transparent with customers, but you want to feel they want you want them to feel uh, that you are transparent with them. So having everything in one place uh, makes you uh, look very good. Uh, but then for the company itself, it's like it's on brand because you know it's not like generic tools all over the place, and it is structured in a way. Uh, and of course, in B two B, you have to allow uh, different CSMs to uh, manipulate the process per customer. So. Um, mm-hmm. You can break the process very easily in those um, in this case, but then um, the, the the operations will see, and then they will need to adjust maybe to create another s- uh, segment of customers. And it mm-hmm. looks professional because it look it looks like very good and neat. Uh, and it also and it also monitor the activity because today when you do it in emails or or, or other tools uh, like like. Uh, spreadsheets you, you can't really monitor you cannot learn from it right you cannot have insights on like what works and what doesn't because when someone uses spreadsheet uh, across dozens of or hundreds of customers you cannot get insights on how that works really mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um, so th- this is uh, this is where we are and I think having like a space for customer success because they need they work really hard right they're they super creative absolutely uh they um yeah. they really you know they're, they're, they're doing consultant they're doing project management they're doing training yeah. um so having their own space to uh to build their kingdom and everything they do for customers is super valuable for employee retention as well i love yeah, that yeah. 
Yeah, we always talk about, we've talked about it so much on this show, giving your team the resources and the tools they need to facilitate a great customer experience, to facilitate customer relationships. And it sounds like you're doing that with Ever After. So, I mean, congratulations on on all the success so far. And it's been awesome hearing about, you know, some of the topics around the tool and all of that. But we've got this thing talking about the future. We've been doing a final question for every guest. Uh, this season, and we wanted to ask you. So it's a re- real short kind of soundbite kind of question. When you think about the future of customer experience, what is the one thing you are most excited about? Well, I think it's personalization, and specifically personalization at scale. I think today we know technology itself is not enough. Like cracking down the concept of getting even more personalized while not compromising on scalability and providing, uh, providing like the, the high-touch and the low-touch customers experience of personal personal um, assistant, uh, customer experience manager, CSM, is something that I'm sure um, will rise because people look for human touch uh, mm-hmm. at the end. It's, it's not just tech, mm-hmm. especially in B2B, but also I think in B2C. That's a great answer, and I love the idea of it, personalization at scale. So... Uh, This was super fun. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Thank you for sharing all about this, you know, what you're doing with Ever After. And thank you for sponsoring us too. This is is great. So where can our listeners right now, if they want to learn more about you or Ever After, where can they find you and, uh, you know, connect with you possibly? Yeah, so we have uh, a great uh, blog with many interviews and resources. It's everafter.ai slash blog. And we also have a very active LinkedIn page uh, with great content as well. Excellent. And we will put those in the show notes as well. So be sure to check out the show notes for this episode. There will be some great links in there for you. So Noah, thank you so much for joining us. This was a pleasure. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Jenny. Thanks, Noah. First, let's give a shout out and thank you again to Ever After for sponsoring this episode. And thank you to Noah for sharing so much interesting information and the backstory with us. Yeah, and you know, I love Noah's answer to uh, what do you think about the future of customer experience? What are you most excited about? Um, that idea of personalization at scale. Mm-hmm. Um, because, again, we talk about it in the B2C context so much, but it's interesting to think about in the B2B context, right? Yeah. How, how do you blend the scale the scaling you know idea and that you know the challenges of scaling personalization with the traditional person already personal nature of b2b with interpersonal relationships you know we, we talked about you know having you know, the sponsors and in, in your customers company how important that is and you know finding that balance between the two as i think it's a challenge going forward and and something that needs more exploration Well, and I think part of what is so interesting, too, is that we've talked on this show about how it's so important to give your employees and your customer-facing folks the right tools, the right information at the right time. And that's what is so exciting about the world we live in right now, I think, with AI and machine learning and, and the right data, you can really make those moments matter in a in a more meaningful way than we have been able to in the past. You're not digging through spreadsheets, as she talked about. You're you're literally served up the right information at the right moment so that you can serve the customer in a better way. And that means better experiences for everyone. So I, I think this is an exciting time to be a customer experience professional. 
It is an exciting time. And you know what else? It's an exciting time to be a member of the Crack the Customer Code community. (laughs) Isn't it always, though? Isn't it always? So thank you, as always, to our listeners, all of you out there who are here listening to Crack the Customer Code. We appreciate you so much. And we are so grateful that this episode was sponsored by Ever After. I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can learn more about me at experienceinvestigators.com. And I'm Adam Topork, and you can connect with me at customersthatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.